0: Welcome to Five Dubs by MDDC Press. I'm your host, Rebecca Snyder, the Executive Director of the Maryland, Delaware, and DC Press Association, which represents news media in our region. Five Dubs focuses on the who, what, when, where, and why of local news media. We'll talk with the journalists about the stories behind the news. You can find more information about our guests in the show notes or on our website www5 dubscom I'm so delighted to have Lenora Halsey, who is the executive director of the Afro, the, the oldest African American owned or Black owned business uh, newspaper in the country, um, and some other notable things as well. Um, but I'm delighted to have Lenora here to talk about the Afro and um, the role in the community. So welcome.
1: Thank you, Rebecca. I'm so glad to be here and so glad to be able to share with your audience um, all the exciting things that happen and are happening at the AFRO.
0: It's it's a lot. We were talking before we went to uh, before we started about just how much the Afro does from events to Facebook Live, to the printed publication, to being active in the community. So let's start there. Tell us about the Afro. If someone's if someone does not know (laughs) and shame on them, if they don't, if they don't know the Afro, tell us about (laughs) about the publication. Certainly. Well, first of all,
1: if you happen to not know about the Afro, visit afro.com and you will learn all about the Afro um, and um, our rich history and our rich present. Uh, And so one thing that I do want to clarify in the event that um, this podcast lands um, on the ears of our friends in Philadelphia. So there are other black newspapers who are older than the Afro. The Afro's distinction is that it is the oldest Black-owned, family-owned as well, continuously published publication. So for 131 years, the Afro has never missed a publication. So I mentioned- That's mind-bending. It just it, right it, it really is. I can't even like, even when I say it, I can't, Really wrap my mind around the significance of that. And I say, and I mention our friends in Philly because the Philadelphia Tribune actually began publishing prior to the Afro, but they, they were, there were breaks. I don't know how long the breaks were, months, years, date, whatever, but they weren't continuously published. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so, um, that is quite um, a, 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 a prestigious uh, place entitled to have and i'm I'm really proud to be a part of the afro uh, again one hundred and thirty one years is um unimaginable, but what's even more um unimaginable Rebecca is that um the afro was founded in eighteen ninety two by a mm-hmm. former enslaved man who, at the age of fifty two and with ten children, decides that in an era when many black people either weren't reading or wasn't or 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 it was illegal for us to read
0: he decides to start a publication right like well and i think that just speaks to like such a commitment to the community and i feel like that has if you've never missed an issue which is you know high achievement and among uh, in itself yeah. but Talk about that commitment to the community, because it's not easy being family owned. You know, there's there's drama, there's issues, there's, you know, there's people being actually appropriate for for the role of leading. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just hire someone else if you're family owned. sometimes. Can you talk about what the Afro means to the black community in Maryland? And you also publish in D.C. Um, so in, in sort of the wider area. Sure. Um, and,
1: and thank you for that question, because I think it's important for people to know that the reason and the purpose that John Murphy Senior founded the Afro 131 years ago still remains our purpose and still remains our goal. And that is the commitment to the community, commitment to educate, to inspire, to inform, to um, give uh African-Americans a place and a platform that, especially then, we didn't have, and even to some degree now, we don't have. And so uh, the Afro is committed to being that publication, whether it's print, digital, and all the other things that we do that we'll talk about. The Afro is committed to um, being that trusted voice, um, telling Some of the same stories that our readers and our audience hear um, from other media outlets, but telling it from a perspective that traditional um, and, you know, quite frankly, white media outlets may not be able to do. And so, we we absolutely have that commitment, and it's been going strong. I'm also happy to say that um yes, it's family owned I'm not part of the the Murphy family, but um our the fifth generation wait a minute fourth generation leader of the afro is our highly esteemed publisher and ceo um dr um Francis Tony Draper, as most people know her and um she has really uh just helped to turn um the ship around because uh you know. Newspapers in general have seen some troubling times, um, and you know, there's a saying, uh, Rebecca, that when um, America gets a cold, Black America gets pneumonia. And so, Absolutely. if newspapers in general are ha- we're having a difficult time, and still are, um, you know, we really had a lot of challenges, particularly at the time that um, Dr. Draper came on board, and under her leadership, um, really turning it around. So it's um, it's been. The Afro has been fortunate that to have really good members of the family
0: steering the ship. Absolutely. And I want to get into some of the things that you've done, like the Word in Black Project and so forth. But before, you know, I get totally off track, tell me what um, what kind of differentiates you from other black owned newspapers and in in your focus and what you're really doing today. what, What kind of offerings the publication has? Sure. How much time do we have? No, <laughs> and I was like looking at my clock No, because we,
1: you know, and I'm, I'm glad to say, you know, we 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 do a whole lot. And I think that is one of the distinguishing factors between the Afro and some of our um, member other member newspapers is that, you know, we're not just. A newspaper. We're certainly not just in print. Uh, we're not even just a digital newspaper, but we are um, event producers. We are live program producers. We host um, major uh, events, a um, couple of which you're familiar with. Uh, the the high T that the Afro uh, hosts every spring, with the exception of when COVID hit, um, has become the Baltimore area's uh, most highly attended, most highly coveted uh, ticket, um, and oh, it everyone is. It totally every, is. I love yeah. the high tea. <laughs> <check>. oh. <laughs> you know, you come, you wear your fancy hat and your gloves, and and we always make it not just about the gathering, a multi generational gathering, uh, because it's a, In some cases, it's the first time that you know people who bring their grandchildren get to experience something like a high tea. But we also um, always have a theme or a message that we can leave with the community with the T. This past year, um, the theme was um, honoring Maryland's leading ladies, and mm-hmm. um, we were honored to have um, – uh, First Lady of Maryland, Don Moore, there and honored um, the Lieutenant Governor Aruna Miller was there and was honored as well as Brooke Miller, the Comptroller. And so, you know, it's not just an opportunity to come together in high fashion and have fun, but it's also, um, again, it's with a purpose and with a message. And so, so we do that. And I, I would venture to say that um, with us producing the number of Um, events and products outside of our print and digital editions, I think that is what distinguishes us because there's always something. In August, we have two events um, and we're doing something that um, really you don't hear of often, if at all. And we are honoring um, what we're calling the unsung first responders. And that is, um, hmm. the black owned funeral directors, uh, right. because, you know, of the role that they played unfortunate and as sad as it was in getting families through the losses of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, August is Black Business Month. So we are having a Black Business Month networking reception. So again, I, I, I can go on and on. But I think because of the, the diversity of our product and our portfolio and what we do, and what we offer, that helps us to stand out a little bit more above the rest.
0: Well, and I think it's so interesting when you look at sort of the black community, of course, that encompasses business owners, um, you know, first responders. It's a, it's a really wide and diverse community. And I think with, with the lens that you're approaching it, you can do more things than say, you know, you're not simply a business publication. You're not a necessarily a community, you know, only a community mm-hmm. publication. You Your lens is um, very unique, I think. And You know, the high T always is. I was so disappointed to be out of town this this year Um, when I I went last year. I mean, just the vendors that you have, the people that you bring together. It is. um, And that's just one of the events. And I know that was that was one of your first place wins at the MDDC uh, contest awards this past year. Yes. Um, Thank you. Before we got started, we were checking out, like, what notable accomplishments do you <laughs> yeah. have? Because the MDDC contest is a big deal. Yeah. But I was, um, uh, it was interesting to see that you have a lot of diversity in, in the awards that you've won. And I know the, the Black Press, um, uh, conference was just maybe last, uh, month and you, <laughs> I'm sure you took away some winnings there. But you won with us, you won things like best interactive media, best event, um, Features video, editorial cartoons, and I I remember um, your editorial cartoonist came with his family to our event, and he was such a like he's been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah he yeah. obviously has a lot of um, you know a lot of of insight. But I feel like the people that you gather together at the Afro are really unique. So like your your cartoonist. tell us a little bit about how someone like that sort of has worked with the Afro and how that strengthens where you're going.
1: Yes. Uh, Yes. Uh, Mr. Kofi uh, predates me by decades in his work with the Afro. Um, And it's so uh, inspiring to have his insight um, and, and to have him as part of our team. But I think the other thing that makes our team so unique is that it is so multi-generational. So we have, mm-hmm. you know, the decades long, uh, team members like Mr. Kofi, we have, um, our production manager, our, um, uh, director of community relations who have, uh, our production manager has been there for over 40 years. Um, mm. You know, uh, we have uh, one of our circulation representatives also over 40 years. So we go from that and we've got some 20 year employees. And then we have a whole new group of young, um bright journalists that have uh joined our team. So, um if you know, if you were ever to peek into one of our team calls, it's um it's a very interesting conversation and dialogue because we've got the the Gen Zers represented, we've got the millennials represented and there I think they're probably the Gen Zers and the millennials probably make up the majority of our team at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. and but then again, we go all the way to 40 year, you know, several decade employees. And so um, it really is good to get the perspective from so many different generations. And I think that helps to um, lend itself to the work and the content and the, the things that we
0: produce. Sure. I mean, I, I now correct me if I'm wrong, because I could totally be getting this, this incorrect, but I feel like Tony has hosted the Chicken Box for Many, uh, maybe not years, but that's been like, is that a Facebook live situation? But I feel like that just speaks to kind of the how the Afro reaches out to their constituency in whatever channel, whatever platform to be relevant and cool. And, you know, you guys like your Afro T-shirts are on fire. I mean, like it's one of those things like you don't look like a. You look like you're 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 hip and cool and know what what's going to resonate with the community. And, and is we're that kind fun. of a factor of your mix of, of staff?
1: Yeah, and, and we're and we're having fun doing it. I mean, everyone on the team really um, has a passion for the Afro, has a passion for what they do. So yes, the chicken box is um, one of our um, online programs. It's actually live. Um, every Thursdays at noon. The name of it is derived from a, a very popular lunch box treat in Baltimore, which is four wings and a fries. That makes up a chicken box for those who don't know that. Um, but, um, you are correct. Um, uh, Dr. Draper, um, who, you know, our, our publisher and CEO, um, her son, so he's fifth generation. And I hope I'm not getting these generations wrong, but, you know, they'll correct <laughs> me later. Um, he is, um, he is also one of the co-hosts, so he represents a different generation. And then we have a Gen Zer who also, mm-hmm. so there's three regular hosts, Dr. Draper, Kevin, and Courtney Alexander. And mm-hmm. she represents the Gen Zer. So uh you're right, that's you know, we want to take advantage of every opportunity and every platform there is to reach our audience and to and and not with just with news. Um, or, um, or even just entertainment, but with a variety of topics and that's what the chicken box does. It's, you know, it's set up in a versus style. So we have had guests all, you know, representing healthcare, financial industry, entertainment. Stephanie Mills was a guest on one of our shows. Uh, and so, um, we just, you know, we run the gamut with the different topics that we will discuss. And I think that's the other thing that makes us unique.
0: Yeah. Well, because it is, you know, it's, it's, um, it's opinion. It's, it's um, information. It's not just like, here's the news and your vegetable. You're also getting those fries, which is always it. key. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, <laughs> and well, and so it, it made me think when you were talking about how you use the chicken box and Facebook live to kind of reach a wider community that may not be realizing that they're kind of working with a a, a legacy newspaper um, Mm -hmm. and a news organization, they must, might just be thinking that's great, fun content. But I think that it's been really innovative that the Afro has um, teamed up with Word in Black. I think you're one of the founding Mm -hmm. publications Mm -hmm. to, to, to use that. Um, And I think it also just speaks to the um, collaborative nature of a lot of Black-owned publications, which is more, you know, where my experience lies, and black-owned businesses. You know, you're collaborating for the community. So, yes. could you tell us about Word and Black and what you are doing and how it's going?
1: Sure. And so, um, as you mentioned, um, the Afro is one of the founding, I believe, ten newspapers of Word and Black. It is a, Word and Black. It is a journalism collaborative uh, that. Uh, where we share news and we share content and we promote each other's content. Uh, and so the Afro was part of the first, first cohort. There are now, and an, an, an I don't know the exact amount, Rebecca, but there is now another um, cohort in place where more paper, papers have come on board. But, um, I think the, the, that the, what makes Word and Black special is because of that collaboration that you just mentioned, because we all ultimately have the same goal, and that is to make sure that news and information for and about our community is front and center, is easily accessed. And so um, to be a part of it, for the Afro to be a part of it, um, is just, you know, again, another point of pride that, you know, we were so, and we were selected to be a founding um, member, a founding newspaper uh within the group of other publishers for the first round so um and, you know and if people want to it's wordandblack.com um if people want to see the collaborative work but we also also host on our site stories from word in black.
0: Mm. and black so
1: um it's a great it's a great community of like-minded and you know similarly gold
0: um publishers Now, has working with sort of national projects like Word in Black sort of affected how you approach your work on the day to day? Because when you're collaborating, it's not just, you know, like let's share stories, but are you, is it impacting how you see your work or how you're approaching it in some way? Um, Yeah, that's an interesting interesting question, Rebecca. I think that if anything, it's
1: broadened even more our perspective you know, the AFRO has always covered local and national news. Um, mm-hmm. but this um, helps us get more insight into what's happening in other cities. And so, you know, the Houston Defender is one of the other um, founding public publications. And, um, we you know, I believe when Houston, when it was the hurricane or there was some um, event that happened in, in Houston, um, we were able to, you know, get firsthand reporting as a result of our collaboration. So it helps to broaden what we are able to um, know about and engage with and offer to our readers. Uh, But even before Word in Black, and, you know, I think it's important to note the Afro is a member and was, and still is a member of um, the NMPA, the National Newspaper Publishers Association, which is in essence, um, the Black Press Association. And, Mm -hmm. um, And and there's nearly, I believe, 200 papers who are members of that. Um, Just coming back from that conference and seeing all of those publishers come together again with, um, you know, similar or or like-minded goals and um, uh, like-minded engagement. um, It it was really just good to be in that community. And and in fact, you know, the conference took place when the decisions from the Supreme Court came down about Mm -hmm. affirmative action. And so... It made it even more emotional, I guess, Rebecca, to be with these publishers who, you know, many of whom are coming from, you know, generations before them who struggled to have a voice right. and to have a presence and to have that decision come down during the conference sort of, you know, made I certainly my understanding of how that impacted us even greater if it mm-hmm. had than it would have been if I had heard it outside of that collaboration. And so I think that's what, you know, Word and Black and NMPA does for us. It helps us to broaden the way we see news and the way we gather news and information.
0: Which I think is so critical and, and you in turn kind of pay that forward. And I, I feel like we could talk for hours, Lenora, but we are coming up on our time. So maybe we'll have you back again at, at some point, but um, you know, the the point of view that the afro carries throughout your work and in the community you know i know you all are moving to your you're housing your archives in a new space <laughs> you're moving to a new building and i know that also um researchers and journalists are starting to look to the archives of of black owned newspapers to recognize that there's a different point of view you know the mainstream news that is that is um maybe being reported like when the University of Maryland reported on lynchings um, throughout the the state. And we found, you know, some uh, really unpleasant things about our own Hall of Fame and had to address those. Yeah. A lot of that primary research came through the black press um, and just uncovering those untold stories. And so I think looking ahead, I am just so eager and um, respectful of the way that you have carried your mission forward through from from the very beginning through five generations and hopefully more um, to inform and bring together uh, the community so um, as we wrap up do you have any last words anything you want our listeners to take away and know about the afro
1: um, well, like I say, we covered a lot, and we could certainly talk for a lot longer but um, I think we 've hit on the highlights uh, Thank you for mentioning the archives because that is also a, a very significant part it's it, The archives fall under afro charities, but um, it is um, such a, a a significant collection and curation of African history that i don 't think can be found elsewhere, and so we we are really proud that we are going to be housing that under one roof um, in the Upton mansion. And the last thing I'll say, because you know I've been thinking about this generation, because I think I've messed it up. I think, I think, it's, first, I think it's third and fourth generation. So, you know, um, Dr. Draper and Kevin and all of those in the family, please forgive me if I've gotten it wrong, but I think um, Dr. Draper's third, Kevin's fourth, but there are some fifth generation involved. So I know I've got that right. But um, thank you again for allowing um, us to have this platform and to tell the good news Um,
0: about the Afro, Rebecca. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Lenora. We'll talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Five Dubs with Rebecca Snyder. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts so that others can find us. What do you want to know about local journalism? Email me at rsnyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, at mddcpress.com. Interested in supporting our podcast and journalism? Please donate to our 501c3 Press Foundation. Find out more and see the full episode list and show notes at www.5-dubs.com.